Today, for the first time, I'm in the hot seat, living openly. As a leader, I try not to ask people to do things I wouldn't do myself. So now that I've asked all of you to be brave, it's my turn. Like many other special moments in my life, my mom is right here by my side, asking me the hard questions. I'm gonna be honest, I'm gonna be open. I am living openly. At 23, my life changed forever. I was depressed, anxious, scared. I didn't feel like my life had meaning. I didn't know what would happen if I stepped into my truth. On the other hand, I knew I had to make a change. I had to start taking responsibility for my life because I knew the change I wanted to see first had to begin inside of me. Hi, my name is Chris. That was the moment I started living openly. So today I am in the hot seat, living openly. Um, as a leader, I definitely believe that it's important to always do things that you would ask anyone else to do. And so I wouldn't ask anyone else to be this brave and this vulnerable without doing it myself, right? So it's all about modeling. It's all about, you know, uh, taking your turn. So all my life in the moments where there's been vulnerability and needing to be brave, someone's always been by my side, my mom. <laughs> Right. So um, can you think back to the first days of school, like every year? Like, what, what did you do and what did you used to say? I would take you to the school. I would take you to school every first day of school year for 13 years. I did that. So kindergarten, starting kindergarten, I started kindergarten off. all the way through high school. So I would take you to school. And when you get out the car, I would always tell you, Christopher, do your best. That's amazing. For 13 years. And, and not only that, but you've worked all your life, right? I've worked all my life. And you yes. were working those days, too. So I would work. you had to do, and you were working what? What was your schedule like? I was working actually 6 to 2 and... 6 a.m. 6 a.m. to right. 2 p.m. Right. So sometimes I would actually take off the first day of school, but mm -hmm. as you got older, I didn't feel the need to take the whole day off. Yeah. So I would take off and um, come and pick you up in the afternoon so we could, you know, do that mother and son time mm -hmm. in the afternoon, take you out to eat, have a special meal or whatever. Um, and why were you the one that had to pick me up and drop me off? Because I was the one taking care of you. <laughs> and making sure, right. um, as a single mom, right. making sure that that was my responsibility to make sure that I could, you know, take you to school and pick you up. And I just wanted to do that because... As a mom, you want to make sure that your child is given the best treatment. And being me and how I am, I want to make your life the best life that I could make. Oh. <laughs> 
And and you used to fix breakfast too. Like oh, I remember, I would always have like fresh clothes, like everything laid out. Everything was ready. Yeah. Everything was ready for you because it's just like a new beginning. Right. Every year. Yeah. You was reaching high and higher potentials yeah. in your life and you know, challenges in your life. And I just wanted to make sure that I was taking care of you to the best of my ability. And and here you are now. Like as I embark on this new journey of, you know, living openly. I think you even picked this sweater out too, right? Yes. Well, I laid it out for me last night. Yes. <laughs> oh so, I mean, this is this is kind of the thing that you do. You've always been there, always been someone that, you know, you count on, and especially for encouragement. So there's no one else that I could think of to do this show with uh, and to, for the first time and the only time, to let someone else grill me and put me in the hot seat. So... I've asked you to prepare a few questions, like five questions, right? And I know none of these questions. I never, you never told me any of these, right? No. So you have the power right now to ask me anything you want about living openly and why we're doing this and why I'm doing it and all that, right? Yes. All right. Are you ready? I'm ready. All right. So here we go. Here we go, here we go, here we go. Ask why. I, um, it was kind of difficult and challenging for me to come up with some things because I know so much, but there are some things I don't know. So my first question to you, son, is how do you feel about living openly? Oh, that's good. I think living openly, is it's 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 really about being brave and courageous to take each day one day at a time one step at a time i think sometimes people we get caught up in these big goals that we have for ourselves and we forget that every day is a new chance to do the right thing to do the thing that we want to do and to share that because I believe the one thing that we are all here on this earth to do is connect. And that's what we want. We want to connect with other people. We want to be our authentic selves of connecting with ourselves, connecting with the source, God, Buddha, Allah, whatever you call that. You are here to connect and you are here to be authentic. And then and what we want, we want love. We want that validation. Do you see me? Do you hear me? Does what I say mean something to you? That's what Oprah said. That was the, the running theme of the show through all 25 years of the show. And I and I see that in a lot of people that I work with, you know, the clients that I work with, it's all about, are you listening to me? Are you really connecting with me? Are you hearing what I'm saying? Do I matter? Does my life matter? That's why they come to me. Does my life matter? That's what they stay up all night in bed thinking about. <laughs> well, my next question is, what has been some of your most frightened moments in your life with being open? What are you trying to ask? 
What are your fears? What are my fears about what? Being gay. Oh, wow. Okay. So I think that perhaps the biggest fear that I had... So let me think about this. Like, when I think about... I'm 33 years old right now, and growing up in the South, Texas, the South, raised by Baptist preachers, preacher kids, religion has always kind of told you um, being gay is wrong, and so has society. But but society and um, religious teachers have evolved just in my lifetime because I remember you know Ellen was when I don't I actually don't remember when she came out but now I remember like seeing her and her story of how she came out on her show and then they took the show away from her five years later they give her a new show and now she's all of a sudden you know this global phenomenon and people love her because she accepted herself. But for the longest time, she probably was that thing. But before, it was kind of like you would see gay people in movies and you kind of would be like, okay, they're probably gay, I don't know. You, it, it was always these questions and you, you never really were able to have representation. So without that representation, it was kind of hard to even know who you are or, or what you are and like, what is this gay thing? <laughs> so, I, um, for me, it just kind of, it evolved over time. And I think the fear was in the beginning somewhat about just being open, just the idea of being open and being able to go to work and have a picture of my partner on my desk if that was something that I wanted to do hold hands in public if that was something you know just the idea of living a life that was I think that was kind of it was it was the unknown I think it was the fear of the unknown I had no idea how I was going to be recepted received and and just the idea too growing I remember the college years I believe that was the heaviest years of gay bashing gay suicides uh, a lot of um, just turmoil. But then you started seeing people like Anderson Cooper, Lance Bass, uh, people, Don Lemon, they started to come out and you're hearing like the first this, the first that, the first baseball player or basketball player coming out, first football player, and then kind of seeing how the reaction was for them. And then, um, and then the idea of the realities of the big differences between a lot of heterosexual couples and homosexual couples is like the idea of contracting HIV. And I think that that was like something that was very top of mind of, of almost like, I, I didn't even know what that was. I didn't know the difference between what HIV and AIDS were. And I remember, I'm always going to say Oprah. I remember watching Oprah shows and and how like there was a, a an episode where um, back in I think it was in the 80s. Like, it was one of her early episodes where a guy who had um, he had HIV and he had gotten into a pool with um, people and I guess 
people, somebody knew that he may have had HIV and did the whisper thing and whisper like, get your kids out of the pool. And like, that was like, oh my gosh, that's really bad, right? It's bad that you can, just the idea of knowing that somebody may have some kind of virus that you don't really aren't clear about it yourself, that you're going to ostracize him. And then there was the Magic Johnson of the, of the thing. So growing up in the 90s, those, that's kind of it that I knew of HIV. And then like growing into history, learning more. As I explored sexuality and started learning more, I learned about this huge epidemic about how many men had died, you know, and they called it like the gay cancer and how stigmatizing it was. And so it was a fearful, it was a fearful thing to, um, to know that there was a possibility that I could contract this virus just because of me living my life. Um, and then I was like, well, well, maybe is that the, is that the curse or is that the thing that gay people have to go through instead of being pregnant? Or I, I don't know, that was, that was just a weird random, I don't know, I don't know why I thought that, but I, I do remember just thinking, um, being scared and even even thinking about the idea of um, being very cautious of wanting to know if someone had HIV that I personally wanted to date or be with. So the thing about that was I knew what stigma was and I knew the idea of people being stigmatized for being black. I've been stigmatized all my life for being black, for being gay, for being, I've, I've been not black enough, not white enough, not gay enough, not whatever. I've always been that kind of outsider kind of person. Right. And it never really, um, it doesn't, bo- it never really bothered me, but it always made me feel like, who are my people? Where's my tribe? Where, who do I go to? Like, I, and so that's being an only child. It's like I just fall back into the normal thing of me and myself and I kind of just hanging out by myself, and and that's where my life has been. But I will say, what happened to keep down the track of the HIV thing? It's I I, I really wanted to know more about um, the virus and be more educated about what it is and and the differences between HIV and AIDS, and also knowing what the treatments were available. Mm-hmm. And I knew from that education, what I started to learn is that there were treatments out there for people who may have contracted the virus. A death sentence is not the only, um, it's not the end of your life. Uh, if you contract HIV, a death sentence is not the end. And that is so powerful because it, it's, I, and I don't want to use the word relief. I think it's more so, I like, it, it's just, it's a calming. It's because I would say not relief, but calming because it's, it reduces that anxiety and that overwhelmed thinking about like, constantly being at the top of your mind and constantly thinking that you need to judge someone and then 
thinking about like, okay, so if you're stigmatizing them and you're judging them, what are you thinking? What are your thoughts about that person? Are you thinking that they were just promiscuous and that they, well, they sh- the reason why they have HIV or AIDS is because they deserve it or that they just should have been more cautious and all that thing. And that is what, what really put a stop in my head. I was like, I'm not going to think that way. I'm not going to judge someone else based on one feature about themselves. And because I wouldn't want to be judged that way. And and what's great about um, HIV and AIDS awareness now is that there's so much awareness. There's so much awareness available and there's so many um, treatments and there's even uh, medication that you can take that um, prevents um, you from contracting the virus. Mm-hmm. And I I wish more black and minority men knew about that because those are the ones that are contracting the virus more than any other race. And because it, it's still it's still a disease. And if you contract it and you don't treat it, death may be the sentence. But there is treatment out there and there's even preventative measures that we all can take to be more aware and to, you know, just to be more proactive in thinking about what we can do to make ourselves the best people that we want to be and and ease and calm our mind to the best of our abilities. And the last thing I'll say about this and then we can move on is the judgment piece of just because they someone may have HIV, that doesn't mean that you and them cannot be a partner. Like, and I think that that was one of the biggest transitions in my head was because, I mean, I think a lot of people get, well, I know a lot of gay people get asked this question, would you date someone who's HIV positive? And I thought that that's a really great question. I don't know the answer to that. That was the time I didn't know. I really didn't know. And then I was like, I'm not judging people. That's not fair. It's I, it's, it's not a fair judgment. Um, and, and, and that's that. Thank you. You shared a lot of information. <laughs> Thank you for that. I appreciate it. Um, my next question is, having said all of that, how do you really want to live a gay life with a partner? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't know. Because I, I've lived so long by myself it's, it's, I think it, it would just be, I, I would strip away the word gay. You know, even if it was a heterosexual couple, if I was in a heterosexual relationship, I still wouldn't know. It, it, it has nothing to do with sexuality. It's just the fact that I am who I am. And I'm just living life one day at a time, like I said. <laughs> okay. Um, having said that, um, what do you expect to accomplish with your coaching business for living opening? Hmm. One day at a time, health matters, your mental health matters. People, we, we, we live in a world where 
we don't take care of ourselves. We judge other people for not taking care of themselves. Um, we like to equate one sickness is more um, is worse is more worse than another sickness. One, it, it doesn't matter. I think we, in order to live a unbalanced life, we've got to take care of our emotions, the inside, just as much as the external, the external features and things. Because if you don't control and be aware of your emotions, that will spill over into the outside. That's why they, when they say like, when when you're having a rough day on that, you can look at a person and, and tell how they feel, is because it's the inside is really, it's the birthstone of, of everything that we are. And learning and being more aware, self-awareness is the number one thing that I would, I would tell anyone if you're ready to change your life, like instantly, it's practicing self-awareness. Because if you're not even aware of your behavior, your reactions, the things you say, your thoughts, if you're not aware of any of those things, you are already behind the curve and you need to catch up because you're, you're not gonna get what you want. You're just not. You are not gonna get that life. You're not gonna live a high quality life. You're not gonna be at peak performance, you're not going to make it very far. I know that to be true. And that's, and, that's, and that's what I'm here to do. I'm here to help you be more self-aware. I wanna help you manage your behaviors and help you manage your behaviors, right? I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to do anything for you either. I'm here to help you live the best life possibly and live a high quality life and perform at your high peak self. That's what you're trying to do. And, and that creates that authenticity. It creates that connection. It creates that self-love that I was talking about. Okay. All right. I, I, I think you said five questions. Are we there yet? Have we, have we done the five questions? <laughs> I, I'm, I don't know. There actually one more, but we have covered a whole lot of information. Okay. okay. One more question. One more. And this is the this is the best shit. Oh gosh. Oh <laughs> gosh. What is it? What is it? What is it? Having said all what you said to me today, um, how can I, as your mother, mm -hmm. support you? Yeah. I mean, I think that that question is it, it's it's already been done. You know, there's a line in The Color Purple where Celie points at Mr. It's at the end of the sh movie where she points at Mr. and says, everything that you've done to me has already been done to you. Um, and, and most people use that as like a, a frame of mind of saying that you hurt me. So I'm, so it's already, whatever you did to me is going to come right back to you. And I'm actually twisting that and saying, you know, it's not just the hurt that goes back. It's the good. You know, when you do something good for people, it comes back to you. It comes back to you. And that's why, and that's why I do what I do, because I know it's going to come back. I know that the goodness that I put out in the world and the energy that I bring to a space, the thoughts and beliefs and everything that I share here, here to share, it's going to come back. And I believe that you've already done it, done it, right? That's what we started, you know, when I was a little kid, taking me to school, 
You've always been there encouraging, encouraging me. And now you're here asking me these questions, encouraging me. It's never going to end. It's like, this is it. This is what you can do is continue the encouragement, continue to help me be the best, right? Do my best. Is that what you said? Yes, I said it. All right. That me. <laughs> so that's it, right? Those are all your questions? That was all questions. Whew. You said five. All right. Thank you. No more questions, right? So now every everyone that I have on the show, I always ask the question, what does living openly mean to you? I uh, feel living opening means being aware of who you are and opening opening up to be your true and honest self. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. admitting to being who you are. Standing in the good, the bad, the ugly, right? It's who I am. I can't take away anything yeah. from there's an old spiritual that says I wouldn't take nothing from the journey. Wouldn't take nothing from this, right? 34 years of life, whatever years of life you've lived, wouldn't take nothing from the journey. Because every day is a day to do better, but also learn. Like, if you look at life and say, what is this here to teach me? You will instantly grow. All right? So, I think that's it. We did it. All right? We did it. Thank you for being here. I love you. I love you too. All right. That's it. Thanks for tuning in to this week's episode. Keep the conversation going on Instagram. Visit livingopenly.com to find out how you can start living openly today.